Welcome to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we are welcoming back Jason Hardrath to the show. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode, I think it was 305 with Jason, please go back and do it. I promise you, you will need a notebook. You will need about eight pages and a couple pens, and you'll just be taking notes on everything Jason is talking about in that episode, uh, especially if you're a person who just loves going out in the wilderness and exploring and the whole idea of, you know, these ultra endurance things where we're exploring the external environment around us. And that's really meaningful and, and, uh, does a lot for us, but also probably more importantly, we're exploring our internal environment and we're exploring our limits there. Uh, that episode was fantastic. Uh, we talked about Jason's film journey to 100, which is online. You should totally check it out. Um, where he takes on a hundred FKTs, uh, and you just have to watch it, go watch it. It's really cool. It's a really, really well done, uh, film adventure film. Um, and this week we're bringing him back on because he has started a project and it's called journey to infinity, uh, which is, I mean, Jason will get into this, but it's this idea of doing these infinity loops. And if I didn't know what an infinity loop was until Jason was describing it to me, um, it sounds really, really challenging. I'll let him explain it in the episode. Uh, but he wants to do infinity loops on, uh, the major volcanoes on each continent. Um, it sounds incredible. It is a quest for sure. And you know how much I love not just like ultra endurance challenges, but I love when they become quests. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> and I have a whole thing I want to talk about in the outro about that. Um, and it's a really weird kind of idea that I've been thinking about this week. Um, but anyways, this is definitely something amazing. This summer, Jason is doing uh, the Rocky Mountain Grand Slam. Uh, he'll be climbing and hiking up all the 14ers in Colorado, then all the 13ers in Wyoming, and then all the 12ers in Montana. And I'm trying to put this episode out with a little bit of time. Jason is going to start sometime mid-June out here in Colorado. And uh, if you would like to reach out to him, maybe help him in some way, that is a huge thing. That is 120 mountains. He's going to try to do it in 60-ish days. I don't know his, his exact plans there. Um, but if you would like to help him out or um, if, if you can keep up with him, I guess. I was thinking, I was like, man, I'd love to join him on a 14er or two. And then in my brain instant self-doubt came in i'm like man what if i can't keep up with him but i guess if i can't keep up with him he'll just keep going i'll see him coming down i'll high five him or something but uh yeah if you can help him out in any way um he gives all of his info at the end of the podcast you can find him on instagram uh just type in jason hardroth and he'll come up um and any help any help anyone can give would be wonderful for him i so please reach out if you can. Um, that's it. Let's get into the episode. I'm so excited. Uh, this is a fantastic one. So thank you all for listening. Uh, this is the Like Bigfoot podcast number 339 with Jason Hardrath. 
we are back in the office of an amazing human being, uh, the PE office at the elementary <laughs> school. Um, Jason Hardrass back on the show, man, and I'm super excited and super honored to have you back on. So thanks for coming. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I just feel like I'm uh, I'm slowly becoming the uh, resident PE teacher for like the mountain and running communities. <laughs> I love like, it, man. They're in my office with me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I've pulled them aside as as one of my students. Like, hey, let's have a talk about about life and mountains and all the things you can do. <laughs> hey, dude, if that's I mean, I'm 100% in on that. That's amazing. <laughs> like you're this PE teacher who just descends from the mountains with wisdom and then you're pulling them in the office and you're just sharing the wisdom, you know? Like, do you remember, I, do you remember Home Improvement, that show? Yes. The dude next door, Wilson, behind the, the fence? That's kind of like <laughs> what you're doing. You're just dropping knowledge, you know? Uh, that is a, that is, I've never heard that one. I've never been compared to, to Wilson before. I'll take it. Yes, all right um yeah man anyways uh we had you back we had you on originally probably back in the fall and i'm excited to kind of hear what you've been up to since then i know of a few things and i know a few things you're planning so i'm i'm pumped to like jump into all that yeah i think in that last episode what we talked about uh we talked about journey to 100 and yeah. the film on youtube you know people can still go watch that if they haven't great film. Um, it'll kind of set the stage for what's coming um I think uh, we talked a bit about Norman's 13 and the California 14ers. Did we talk about that? I think we did. Maybe. I'm trying to remember. Yours, so here's a big compliment. I don't go back and listen to all of these because I'm embarrassed of my own voice. Do you know what I mean? It's like that yep. thing like when you probably had to do this for like education training. You had to like film yourself teaching. And then like analyze it. Oh, you never, you never go watch that. Nope. No, dude. No, <laughs> like breaking down film. So, but I will say I definitely dialed yours up a couple times because I just loved the episode so much. So I specifically, oh man, remember, that means a lot. Yeah. yeah. I was on a trail run and I was diving back into that, um, which was great. But, uh, but yeah, man. So let me just say this you're going from Journey to 100 was your last film amazing just a humongous project go back and listen to that episode about it go watch the movie but now your next film is called journey to infinity yep you nailed and, it um and, yeah, yeah and i i know we're not math teachers here but you missed a lot of numbers in between <laughs> wait really no <laughs> yeah definitely not a math major um although i thought originally in uh in high school you know they have you sit down and do the whole like career choice thing yeah yeah um and I thought I wanted to be an aerospace engineer because I, I actually did get through every math course that my my high school offered. Heck but then yeah. I read that that line where it said sit at a desk for 14 hours or more daily. And I'm like, uh, that would kill me. Guess I'm not sending rockets to the moon after all. Um, so, yeah, here I am uh, throwing balls at kids for a living. <laughs> that's that's my self-deprecatory way of uh, of saying I'm a PE teacher. Um but yeah, no, uh, we're making the jump from 100 all the way to infinity. Um, and that's because one of the most transformative FKTs in my original 100, my journey to 100, yeah. um, was when I did the Rainier infinity loop. It was just a massive breakthrough. And I've talked about it on a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different places. If people want to go hunting into the archives, um, because it was just so transformative, um, it comes up in most conversations because it was further than I'd ever went. I'd raced hundred milers. Yeah. It's 144 miles. Um, 
I had climbed Rainier uh, once before, but this was climbing one side and descending the other side twice. Once in like warm conditions when stuff is falling apart and coming down at you. Yeah. And then once through the middle of the night. Um, so like two very different experiences on the same mountain. Um, and it was also the first time at that point that I'd ever gone into two nights of continuous sleep deprivation. So it was this massive experiment of like, what is going to happen on night two? Um, and it got super real hallucinations, like all the way, like not just visual, but auditory and like yeah. even proprioceptive where it felt like there was sandpaper rubbing on my heart at one point. Um, it was just like super real. Was there any temptation? Um, just, I mean, I guess you're trying to set an FKT. I was going to say, is there any temptation just to sit down? And be like, I'm going to sleep for like an hour. I mean, yeah, I, eventually I had to take a nap on, on night two. Yeah. I did, I did sleep just to let the mountain conditions change. I did sleep night one for like 45 minutes, an hour. Yeah. Um, just kind of like delay. Cause I'd went fast enough to sort of earn it where it's like, Oh, it makes more sense to wait and leave in an appropriate time. Um, so I got a little sleep there. Um, I probably didn't sleep for all of it. I was at the car for like an hour. Yeah. Um, so definitely didn't sleep for all of it. And then, uh, on night two, I was going to try to just push straight through. Cause it was like, kind of the record was like in question, like, am I actually going to get this? Um, and so it's like, I have to push, I have to push. But at one point I was nodding off and like that, you know, that experience where you you've driven for too long and your head yeah. like sags down and you snap back suddenly. Um, and you go, okay, I have to pull off now. Uh, it's just not safe anymore. Cause yeah. I just lost like three, five seconds of road time right there where I was operating a vehicle at 60 miles an hour with no clue what was happening. That's crazy, um, dude. So it was that, it was that by like, but while like trying to hike as fast as I could. Yeah. Um, and it was on an uphill at this point. Like I'm just trying to romp up this kind of switch back steep terrain uphill. And I do a full on just nod off and just barely like catch myself drifting off the trail with my trekking pole and come to, I'm like, okay, this is it. And I just nosedive right into the dirt, no sleeping stuff with me just going like ultralight. And I was like, okay, like quickly set an alarm on my phone for like 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I ended up waking up right before that alarm went off, uh, just like with that like uh survival instinct kicking in because i was getting cold mm. and so i like snap awake with this like urgency where my my whole body's like we're about to freeze to death like get up um and so then of course i got up and i kept going um and that was that was my rest for that night was that like rejuvenative like did that it did actually or did it, did it actually help yeah actually the air force <clears throat> did a bunch of studies um on like what amount of a nap dramatically yeah. improves air force pilots performance and they did they got it all the way down to like 27 minutes could could significantly improve um flight performance and simulators by... dude my wife and i talk about that study yeah. all the time we're like hey i'm gonna go take an air force nap real quick <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, i love that air force nap real quick that, like every parent should know about this like just the difference the difference when i was training really hard for iron man and it was just like i would wake up and swim get on the bike bike to work do pe with the students all yeah. day at my lunch break I realized if I took my lunch break and took like one of those air force naps, yeah, I could teach the second half of the day in a lot better mood for my, my afternoon students. Yeah. And then also was stronger in my afternoon workouts. Cause then it was bike back home after finishing up with the students yeah. and then join the local running club or hit the gym for my final workout of the day. It was just like that on repeat. Right? Yeah. So it was like my whole life. The only thing I did was movement. <laughs> um, 
back this is back in like my you know early early mid 20s so it's like abundance of energy abundance of passion oh still yeah out, still out to prove myself um i've definitely refined my training a lot since then where it's not just like throw all the eggs at every wall all at the same time yeah um now it's like oh like if you have a little bit of rest and recovery and you have a little bit of intention with what workout you're doing you can get really good results without moving non-stop for you know three to three to seven hours each day yeah <laughs> um, not that you don't still need those long workouts true um, on regular interval but doing them every day is not not essential no no <laughs> and no. that's that was the life i lived back then anyways big <laughs> tangent didn't expect to go there um end of a long teaching day so maybe i'm a little scattered oh yeah, i journey, love it man i love getting you right at the end of teaching day because i know how <laughs> my brain is and yeah it's just it's total like oh, i always okay. say like i have to go on i have to work out right after school otherwise like just to get my brain back honestly you know, like it's great physically, but also I'm like, just to get my, I've been talking to teenagers all day, like, and, and doing the same lesson five times, like oh, get my brain back. That is one thing I definitely disliked about the, the high school level was yeah. when you had to do like a, a book or assignment base, right. With PE, it's kind of fine if you have to teach it a few times. Cause it's like, oh, I kind of like this game anyway. Yeah. So I kind of enjoy teaching this skill anyways. And you put a little flair in there and it makes it fun for you and fun for yeah. them. Um, teaching in the classroom back when I still taught like high school health and it's like, all right, going to bang out the same health lesson four times in a row yeah. and try to be excited about it the fourth time. Um, yeah, no, it was rough. It You're was like, great. did I say this already? Like what is happening? Oh, I used to what ask is... that all the yeah, time. Like, me too. Hey, is, is this the group I already said this to, or was that last class? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? I'm like, oh, okay. Here's what I mean to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, man. So back to, Mount yeah, let's Rainier. connect that through line. Like, so yeah, yeah Mount Rainier, Rainier infinity loop, go have this just transformative experience with myself and what I believe is possible for me. Just redefining how I can push through no sleep, redefining how many miles I can cover, uh, the terrain I can cover solo. Cause I did it solo self-supported. Um, it just redefined what I thought was possible and like set the stage. Like it, I, I always tell people if no Rainier infinity loop, yeah most likely no Washington Bulger's hundred peaks record. Yeah. Like that's how significance of a transformative shift that push had for me. Um, and right after it happened, you know, I started getting on some podcasts because some people thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the yeah. adventure sport podcast is one of those. If people want to go try to find one, uh, Mason's fabulous. He's a, he'll have my, 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 uh, undying support till the, till the day he dies or I die first, whichever. Um, and, I actually talk on that podcast back in 2019 after I did this, that was the year I did this. I was like, yeah. he's like, well, what do you want to do next? And I'm, I'm all, oh man, I would love to take, cause I'd climbed internationally at this point yeah. on some bigger volcanoes in Ecuador and in Mexico. Yeah. And so instantly when I finished this thing, the idea in my head is like, take it to a bigger volcano, like take the same idea, go bigger, go further, go higher and and see what that's like do this you know extend the dream extend the legacy of chad kellogg who originally thought this up and then he passed away before he ever got to do it and some some people discovered his idea and then decided to create it sort of in his honor and to be able to extend that legacy because he never just meant it to be for rainier yeah. he thought it was for any freestanding mountain any freestanding volcano um it's interesting like it's a it's its own style of yeah. doing this you know like it's like kind of you know when you hear about um the circumnavigation like going around the mountain and things like that 
this seems like I've never heard of anything like it, but it does. It just seems like, oh, go over it one way and down and then go back. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, the it basically to to it to clarify for people that don't know what an infinity loop is at this point. Um, the original way Chad described it was start on one side. Well, it should be on a mountain with roughly opposed routes. So it yeah. creates kind of a clean line over the mountain, not kind of an angular one. Yeah. And it's okay if it's a little bit angular. Yeah. Um, every no mountain's going to be perfect. Um, but it should kind of be generally like north to south or east to west or, you know, like corner to corner diagonally. Um, but generally kind of a straight path over the mountain. So you go up and over once. And then you circumnavigate back around. Oh, where you shit. Started. Okay. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it, it blends both worlds, right? So yeah, yeah, you circumnavigate back around to where you started. You go up and over again, usually in very different time of day, very different conditions. Yeah. And then you circumnavigate the other way the other all the way. way back around. So wow. you draw this infinity loop symbol or a figure eight with the okay. summit right in the middle. Dang. And so that was the original dream and idea to create this like giant infinity loop, this giant figure yeah. eight. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it smashes together these worlds of mountaineering and ultra endurance in a really unique, unique way. Cause it's like, you know, it's kind of like the running solo records that you see that are really popular through the FKT and sort of really were the heart and soul of what started FKT, the FKT movement. Yeah. Um, were these like, I'm going to move through mixed mountainous terrain, um, pushing and mixing these skills that get me through the mountains. Um, you know, that's kind of what Buzz and Peter, obviously they did trails too, like the JMT and yeah. obviously they, they kept records for like the PCT and all that, the bigger trails. But a lot of, if you go look at what they focused on themselves, a lot of it was like the flat irons yeah. and these mixed like run and solo combinations. Um, so, you know, it takes basically the, the equivalent, right? They're not out there like trying to solo 514 rock climb, like the world's hardest rock climbs. They're, they're soloing on the easiest stuff, like the, the stuff that most rock climbers wouldn't even take seriously, Yeah. but it's like just the right amount of hard to be serious, but just the right amount of easy to still be able to move fast on. Yeah. And so it's this special eating easy, moderate zone that creates this environment for risk, but speed. Yeah. Um, and you know, climbers have been infatuated with the idea of speed records even before FKTs that the, that moniker was fashioned. Um, but yeah, the the advent of the coining of the term "fastest known time" just sort of opened this new paradigm. So you take and you borrow from that, like, oh, what is the equivalent in like the glacier travel mountaineering world of easy moderate? uh rock climbing it's like well it's this easy moderate glacier travel you know not the glacier travel where you're you're having to rappel into a crevasse and then put in ice screws on the other side as you yeah. like, climb an overhanging ice wall it's like no no no, not that kind of like that's great mountaineering experience don't get me wrong like i'm a guide on mount shasta and i've i've done some of their 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 days where they take people on the harder glaciers although you know nothing we take people on is quite that hard there yeah um, but this is about sort of borrowing from that same way of thinking and going, okay, how do we move quickly in this easy, moderate glaciated terrain? Um, and then also blend that with the fatigue of like doing this ultra marathon around the mountain one half at a time. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. So rewind, you know, take that concept and rewind back to being interviewed on the adventure sport podcast by Mason. And yeah, I just tell him like, yeah, I want to take this uh, internationally, I want to go to these bigger volcanoes and mix that added element. Like there's still the easy, moderate 
uh, mountaineering. There's still the long, like ultra marathon aspect, but let's also throw high elevation uh, issues and sicknesses and acclimatization into the puzzle. And let's see how that all sits together. Like, let's go, let's go rip out 40 miles where the lowest point you hit for less than a mile is 11,000 feet. (laughs) And you go over 18,000 feet twice. Let's see what that does to the human body. Um, Let's run that experiment. Um, But yeah, then COVID broke out. And it was like, literally like right after the podcast came out, it was like, it came out late. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Late 2019. And then we all know what happened in 2020. Um, So you got this peer pressure from him. So I'm sure, cause you know, you just saying that with the passion that you have and the enthusiasm, you're like, yeah, you should 100% go out and do that. That sounds amazing. Yep. No, he was stoked on the idea. Um, but yeah, of course, had to put it on the back burner and stay domestic for that whole crazy process, um, which, you know, served me well. I mean, there's so much cool stuff to do on this side of the country, on the on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to just go explore my own backyard, explore other close neighbors' backyards, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and did some really cool stuff and built some really close friendships and, and kind of established myself within the community, um, which actually kind of open the doors to be much more supported and facilitated to step out and do these international uh, infinity loops. And the idea got more well-formed where I discovered the volcanic seven summits list Um, and the volcanic seven summits list. It's just like the seven summits list. It's the tallest volcano on each continent as opposed to just the tallest mountain. And, you know, since there's this idea that infinity loops are meant for mountains and mountain and, and, or excuse me, infinity loops are meant for volcanoes and volcanoes are meant for infinity loops. It's like, oh, that's, that's the most global list that Chad's original idea could possibly be extended to. Like that yeah. takes it to, you know, the seven corners of the globe, so to speak, seven continents. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like this is probably an impossible project for me. Like, how am I going to fund uh, a $70,000 per person trip to Antarctica? Like, I have no clue how to solve that problem yet. If anybody on listening to this podcast knows anybody, like uh, hit me up. Um, I'd love to hear some some ideas and some options. But yeah, hey, billionaires who listen to this podcast uh, <laughs> help Jason out for sure. No, uh, but here's the thing. Like, I think you having this passion, having the enthusiasm, and also just like, what are the lessons we learned from ultra marathons? It's, it's that you don't really know how you're going to get to the finish line, but you figure it out along the way. You know what I mean? Build build the plane once it's in the air. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, basically I've taken that philosophy with this volcanic seven summits infinity loop project. Um, right. I, I knew I could get to Pico. I'd, I'd been to Pico de Orizaba before. Um, so I knew I could handle the logistics. I actually launched on it solo back in December, 2022. Um, I was just going to like make no real noise about it. Just go do it solo and and get it done because it had been on my private tick list, right. For so long. And I went down there and and I got hate, um, high altitude pulmonary edema was coughing fluid up at the hut during my acclimatization window before the effort. And it was kind of this like big red flag. Cause I'd given myself hate before by being dumb on tall mountains. Like when I mentioned going to Ecuador, I just rushed that mountain. Uh, so long, long, I'll go ahead and tell the long romantic story because it's fun and people get a kick out of hearing (laughs) what younger Jason was like. Um, so I land in Quito 
and this is how I used to do my trips. I would have one objective. I knew I was climbing Chimborazo and I had my contact person for who, when I needed to like send a message, like, Hey, I'm in Rio Bamba. Like, let's do this. Yeah. Um, so that was already lined up everything else about the trip. And I planned the trip to be like a month, month and a half long. If I remember right, totally unplanned. I literally hit the <laughs> ground in keto and didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. Like I walk out of the airport and go, Oh, I guess I should figure that out. And I don't speak Spanish. Like I'm just like shooting from the hip, going to figure it out on the ground as we go. Anyways, find a, a, a reasonably close, uh, and inexpensive, uh, what do they call them? Hostel, hostel yeah. to stay at. And end up bumping into these two uh, American gals from North Carolina. No, South Carolina. From South Carolina. Um, hopefully they don't listen to this and get offended that I missed. They're like, how dare you? How dare you? We hate <laughs> North Carolina. Um, <laughs> so anyways, bump into them and they're like, well, we're going to Banos like to, to, you know, party it up and rappel down waterfalls and, you know, swing on the giant swing there. And I'm like, that all sounds awesome. You seem pretty cool. Like, mind if I tag along? I, I happened to, I actually got a rental car that time. And they're, and I was like, I happen to have a rental car. And they were like, Oh my God, like we don't have to ride the bus. I'm like, yeah, if it works for you, it works for me. And they're like, we're in. And so we all go to Banos together and end up having way too much fun. Yeah. And I stay a bit too long because you know I'm young and they're fun and we're having a great time and end up cutting my acclimatization window down to nothing. Like it was kind of like, okay, gotta go, gotta go do this. Um, and show up to the mountain and like sleep one night straight up at like 15,000 feet immediately start like, don't sleep at all that night, feeling nauseous already. Um, just go straight up to, uh, where you start, which is a bit above 15,000, um, in the park and just went for the summit, like the next day or the day after, like yeah. basically gave exactly the right amount of time for altitude sickness to reach its peak, which is two <laughs> to three days in. Um, and so I'm going for the summit and, I'm sleep deprived. I'm nauseous. I have a massive headache. Um, my water bottles freeze on the way up. And so I end up getting dehydrated. I'm a pretty rookie mountaineer at this point. So I make yeah. all the mistakes, yeah. right? Um, left my water bottles exposed. So the lids all froze shut. Um, and then of course I can't really eat. So I'm bonking <laughs> and also just at this massive elevation running and in, an in insane heart rate, basically my heart rate was near max, like 185, 186 uh, while walking, while oh like walking God. at like the slowest pace you can imagine. <sighs> and I'm just like sitting at this maxed out heart rate. And I'm like noticing all this stuff, right? All these ways I'm in pain. And I've been, I've been there before. I've like sleep deprived myself. Um, I had uh, been bonked on like a long run with no food and like lost and had to run my way out for like you know, 15 miles with nothing. And so it's like, okay, I've been there before. I know what that feels like the cramping and the pain and the discomfort and the wooziness and the like dizziness and whatnot. Yeah. Um, knew the headache. I don't get those often, but knew what the headache was from, knew what the nausea was from, knew that the dehydration was causing some of like the, the muscle like sensations and some of the cramping as well. But there was like one thing I was just struggling to put my finger on. It was like, what the, what is this? Like, it's so painful. It's so uncomfortable. And it was my first experience ever with the like nodding off while moving. I would have to take my, my steps. Cause you have to climb with a guide on Chimborazo. Yeah. And then I had one other guy who I uh, met in Banos who was part of the Israeli special forces and had just got honorably discharged, had served his time. And he was like, I want to climb with you. I'm like, well, you seem pretty proficient. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, makes it cheaper to get the guide. 
Um, and I was pretty broke at this point, just li- li- living like not even paycheck to paycheck. I was out, <laughs> I was out so much money in the red at this point. Um, so anyways, uh, while I would wait to, for them to take their steps. So it's step, step, move your ice axe. And when yeah. I move my ice axe and wait, I was like nodding off on the ice axe. Um, and so it's like, I, I finally figured it out. I was like, Oh, I'm sleepy. Sunrise is going to happen in an hour and a half. Like that will be the one thing that won't get worse. It'll get better when my circadian rhythm like gets in the presence of the sunlight, this one thing will feel better. And that gave me hope to push for the summit. Maybe as foolish as it was. Yeah. Um, I got to the summit, vomited what little water I had left in my stomach on the summit, but managed to sheer force of will walk myself back down the mountain with the, the guide and, and this, uh, this other guy, um, Avishai, Avishai, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah. Um, so we managed to get back down and then, <laughs> Missed the flight back out of Quito because the two American gals are like, hey, we're on our way up through Colombia. Come hang out with us in Colombia and Medellin and Cartagena. And it was like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like I wasn't even planning to go to Colombia. I know nothing about Colombia, but they're there. So let's go. Yeah. So there's there's a uh, a ridiculous trip in a nutshell. Um, That story like, you know, obviously climbing mountains is a magical experience you know but i think when people haven't climbed mountains and they hear about people climbing mountains they're like oh what a magical glorious experience and you're like i got to the top and barfed up barely any water on the top of the mountain (laughs) and at the same time still a magical experience i don't know how to explain oh man you could hear you could hear how much passion i have for the experience and i mean i learned i learned so much about the 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 levers of how far I could push each kind of discomfort and yeah. still identify them, even as they were overlapping. Like I can't verbalize it very well, yeah, but I can no, I know. feel them like side by side inside me now. So like, right, this is the difference between someone that's an expert at being inside themselves and someone that's not like yeah. a lot of us give up because we feel a certain ache, a certain pain, a certain cramping, a, a, you know, a certain sensation of fatigue because we don't have an, a complex interpretational narrative to understand its significance, its place in the universe, so to speak, yeah. its place in our reality, like just how big or small is it? And because we can't decipher it, it's an unknown and the unknown wears at us and eventually wins us over to the idea of giving up. Yeah. Right. It's like the more thoroughly we can understand our internal experiences. And yes, that means all of the dark side, the dark spectrum of our internal experiences, the more we can understand like just how much we can draw out of ourselves yeah. to live as fully as we care to live and be the person we care to be. And so without, without like Chimborazu, like showing me like how far those levers could go for Jason Hardrath and he could keep moving forward and keep getting it done. Like, again, this probably this whole like FKT thing yeah. doesn't, doesn't happen because I That's learned amazing. so much about how much I could extend myself out and still be fine. And then from there, I was able to learn how far, okay, when I get this extended out, how long does it take to come back if I start addressing the correct issue? Yeah. And so, you know, there's something it's like, oh, I get this amount of dehydrated or this amount of bonked and I need to keep moving in the backcountry because a storm is coming. Like, okay, as long as I eat and I move slower than this pace um, at this heart rate, I'll feel better in three hours. Yeah. Not all better, but significantly better in three hours. Right. So like knowing that stuff about you gives you a ton of confidence because you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're like, whoa, this just got real. And you're like, oh, I'm at 14,000 feet. I forgot to eat for the last hour. (laughs) Um, it's really hot out here and I haven't been drinking enough water. Okay. Drink and eat, move a little slower, 
in, in about two or three hours, I'm going to feel significantly better from where I am. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you just, you, in that, that sort of being able to think that long game extended out just changes your whole experience out in the mountains. Yeah, no, I think what you described is just such a wonderful way of putting like the experience that you gain. Cause you know, when you start off doing any of these things, you have no idea about hydration or what it feels like when you're low on electrolytes and things. And once you can start feeling it in your body and you're like, okay, I know this is, I have this headache because I haven't eaten food. Like it just makes, yeah, dude, you're 100. Like, I just think that's why doing things like what you just described, which might not have been the best idea of all time, but I think, <laughs> oh, <it's, no. laughs> I think it's important to do, you know, obviously like in the safe, in the, as safe a way as possible, but it's important to be able to make mistakes and learn from it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause, cause then you can put yourself together well enough based on all the data you harvest from all those hundreds of iterations yeah. of putting yourself out there, um, that you can go out and like have, have the mental framework to confidently navigate bigger and bigger adventures. Adventures yeah. where the stakes are more serious. Um, you know, it's it's like I said, like without Chimborazu, then probably Rainier Infinity Loop doesn't happen. And if Rainier Infinity Loop doesn't happen, then Washington Bulgers 100 doesn't happen. Um, so it's like the whole journey to 100 story, you know, either still happens and it's just like way less cool stuff <laughs> um, and isn't sort of the epic it ended up being. Yeah. Um, or doesn't happen at all so it's like those those choices to fully explore yourself it's like i always tell my students you are preparing for opportunities you can't see yet yeah you don't know what's going to come across your radar at any given point and if you're ready for that thing you're going to go aha and if you're not ready for th that thing you're going to have some sort of like well that's too dangerous or that's too hard or that's ridiculous um, or you're just not even going to see it. It's going to whiz right by you. And you're gonna be like, that's so cool that other people do that. And then forget about it. Yeah. Um, and, and the difference of being able to catch opportunity and act on it is how prepared you are when that opportunity comes, comes your way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, it's like, I've personally extended opportunities at this point with my experience and, and, and my ability to like build these bigger trips, I've extended opportunities to young people. Where it's like, hey, I see this and this in you, and I see this resume, and because of that, I want to invite you to come be a part of this adventure, of this trip, of this experience. Yeah. Um, I want to connect you to this person that'll help you do the thing you want to do that you've expressed interest in, because I think you're ready for it. And so I'm going to put in a good word with this person to help support you. Yeah. Um, so it's like cool to be in a place where it is cool. I see that from the other side. Yeah. Right. I can't, I can't do that for someone that's not in a place that they're ready. Right. Cause it's yeah. like, if, if they die because I make the wrong call, I have to live with that the rest of my life. And the only way I can live with that is if I can be really damn sure yeah. that I'm making a call on someone that has every bit, the potential or more potential than I ever had. Yeah. Um, for entering into the same amount of risk in the situations that, that, that we're talking about here. Um, but that comes from like, how well have they prepared? How much have they been willing to like put themselves through those test pieces? And, you know, I have the 
150 bib, bib numbers on the wall behind me here in my office. It's like there was a long gauntlet I put myself through before I ever even entered into the mountains yeah. and and had these experience that experiences that I've told stories of so far that laid the framework for those even being possible, right? So it's like, how much do you want to rewind the story and and sort of see how the stepping stones fit together to like open the next door and open the next door and open the next door? It's like success build bridge, builds bridges to further success as long as we're paying attention and we're looking for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super passionate about that obviously. And it's a way I communicate with anyone I see, not just my students. Um, and yeah, I guess that brings us back to how you would go from journey to 100 to journey to infinity. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I guess we could, we can take it wherever you want right now. Maybe Pico de Arizaba or yeah, oh, man, wow. tell me a little bit about it. I don't want spoiler alerts because I do want to watch the film with like as fresh, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I know you made it because you're sitting right here. Or you know do you? I- oh, or do oh you? whoa. Did, did I finish? Is it posted on the FKT website with oh, my name on it right now? I can't, I'm not looking. I'm not going to look. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, or am I just having one of those weird sandpaper on the heart hallucinations? <laughs> you know? You know, um, there's, there's, there's no hard evidence that says that, uh, that I was the one who finished it. I invited, you know, talk about extending opportunities to people with potential. Nathan Longhurst is a, a guy I've adventured with before. He actually reached out to me to beat my Rainier infinity loop record. You want to talk about an interesting you know, metaphysical connection, drawing <laughs> us together to bring such a, a kind of a beautiful story of like human interest and human endeavor. He reached out to beat my Rainier infinity loop record. And I always put myself out there. Like I don't do this stuff because I think I'm awesome. Yeah. I do this stuff because I believe I can contribute to the sport and I can inspire people and I can tell stories that lift people, both whether they're my students or people like you or people who are listening right now. I firmly believe I'm capable of, of seeing the world and speaking the world in such a way that it's of good to those around me. And so I go and do so I can teach. I always, I always say like, you can only teach what you become. And I think the value I have to offer the world is around sort of what's the highest thing within the physical world you can orient and aim yourself out, right? Because we're not just doing one-off adventures. It's not like there's just a billion one-off adventures happening. Yeah. It's, it's that for all of time, you can like, instead of looking at it on the personal level, you can turn it out on its axis and look at it the other way and go, for all of time, athleticism and athletic pursuits have animated human beings have called human beings. You almost think of it as like a spiritual force, right? Like it's called human beings to aim up and to better themselves, yeah, to become something more, to, to endure enough discomfort, to, to reach someplace better than where they're currently at. Right. That's the process of training. That's the process of, of signing up and, and preparing for a race and going out and testing yourself and like vomiting halfway through and like suffering out and figuring out how to finish. Like, that whole thing and who you become in order to accomplish that. And then the good you have to offer others because you've accomplished that, like that's the collective lift that athletic pursuit, that the mountains looking up into the mountains and wanting to go into them has on society. And we are participating with this sort of eternal force or this eternal truth um, the spirit of sport, right? You know, that, that was a phrase that used to get tossed around back in like the sixties, the spirit of the sport. Um, and we've been aware of this for a long time and different great, great thinkers and speakers have talked about it. Um, and there's a bunch of these different sort of 
animating forces, if you will. We could be like, oh, anger or jealousy, like that can take hold of a person, right? We talk about it as having like its own energy and can, and its ability to control a human being. It's like on the positive orientations, that's true too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, to me, that's what we're participating in. And that's what I seem to have a knack for doing is communicating that to people. So it's like, do I want to go do these adventures myself just because I find them personally growing and gratifying and it's fun and it's a giant experiment to give myself something interesting that I could fail at to go do like, yeah, all of those reasons, but also because I know that if I succeed, I will be able to turn around and hand every student I have something better and, and hopefully hand other adults who are like interested in orienting themselves around some new pursuit some better way to take aim. Yeah. Um, and that to me is of the highest possible value. Yeah. Um, because you never know what's going to stop a person from going the opposite direction of it. Instead of orienting themselves up, they orient that same amount of potential and, and energy down to doing harm, to hurting themselves, to hurting others, spiraling with depression, spiraling with, uh, addictions or, or, uh, substance abuse, like doing damage to their families, doing damage to their communities, um, you know, violence or, or vandalism, stealing, uh, you know, they let themselves fall apart and therefore their community takes a toll because of it, right? It's like the opposite happens when people don't have something to orient themselves toward. And so it's like, I think it's actually an essential role that, you know, even, you know, you hosting a conversation like this has in the collective of society, when you add them all up, however big or yeah. small each contributor or player might be like, even if you only have your family to go talk to, or like a running club of 10 in your small town, it's like, if you go do a thing and you come back to those 10 people and they're like, Whoa, that was, you did that. That was cool. Like maybe I'll go do this. That's a sign that it worked. It's yeah. like one person goes after something more because of what you do and how you communicate about it. You've participated in this upward lift. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, you're just speaking to the whole point of me even starting this podcast was the idea of like, hey, like, I just want to be a small voice of goodness out there. You know, like the ripple effects are a real thing. They really are like the way you're affecting people ripples out and you're you're either doing something positive or you're doing something negative. Those are it's I don't know. To me, it's like that it's black and white. Like, is your intent positive or is your intent negative? And whichever way you act is the way you're sending those ripple effects out. And I think that's exactly like what you're saying. And I do, it's, it's really interesting hearing it from you talk about the spirit of sport, because this is why we love sports. Like this is, and I love it so much and it's hard to express, but like you just said, like you, you do a really good job like expressing this passion and this like importance of this power i guess yeah yeah no i mean and it's the reason you know even after failing the first room because right let's think about this in, it, with logic it's like okay dude goes to attempt a hard thing at elevation gets <laughs> hape fails on his own with no one there watching so it can be quiet and not embarrassing and, and he can just bow out and quietly go his way and learn his lesson that maybe he's not meant to be in these high spaces. Um, instead, said guy rallies a whole crew to go along with him, including <laughs> some camera guys to tell a whole big story, knowing that he might very well be the part of the story that's a failure story. 
instead of a success story. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like the importance of telling all of the stories that can happen within our pursuits and how one can handle them and think about them. Like that's the real power of the thing. And that's something I was willing to embrace. Like I was willing to be like, yeah, no, is it going to suck for me <laughs> to get hate halfway through this infinity loop? And Nathan goes on to finish without me. Um, and his name lives on the, the record and the establishment, the, the, the bringing this thing into reality instead of just a dream forever. Yeah. Um, and mine doesn't like, can I live with that? And, and also the reality of like, there's a film crew that's going to document this and it and... will be documented forever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so it's like, am I willing, am I willing to face that with, with dignity? And can I see this whole experience with enough perspective and clarity that I can do so in a way that I will sort of indefinitely be proud of what I did in the situation. It's like, as I put it together and the opportunities unfold and I had to do a lot of legwork to make the, like to get enough expenses. And I found these two film guys that were willing to take a gamble on this whole situation, right? Like yeah. they did not get fully paid. They have not been fully paid for their, their time and expertise yet. They were willing to like roll the dice right along with me. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be the one to send this effort. Like I'm, I'm bringing this kid. That's a complete dirtbag that I'm going to have to fund most of his, uh, trip expenses. Um, and that's a, that's a big gamble. Uh, like, will he be any good on, on camera? Will he like have valuable things to say? And it's like, I kind of knew Nathan as well, right? We climbed up 65 of the bulgers together. Yeah. He ended up that was cool part of that is he became the youngest finisher of that list. And that's the second cool. person ever to climb them all in a season because we started together. And then he's like, Oh, I just want to do this with you instead of going and beating your record. Yeah. Um, which I think this year he's finally going to go back and, um, He's finally going to go back and later this year, uh, smash. I'm hoping he absolutely smashes. It's not my record anymore. Someone else has bested me since then by about 80 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I think he could be the first person to take it under two days. Uh, you know, heads up, everybody follow Nathan Longhurst. He might be the I'm first right. person to take the Rainier infinity loop under two days. I'm writing his like name six down. Six hours. Right now. Yeah. Be six hours taken off the record, which is a big deal. That's amazing. So that could happen this year. Big shot. But I will say those filmmakers were like, we know a good story. <laughs> that might have been that might you know have been what I mean? Case, yeah, because right? you're talking, I'm like, well, obviously Jason is going to be fantastic at like communication and he's gonna do this crazy thing. Like, I'm in, you know. <laughs> like yeah. that's what so, that's probably what they were thinking. And that and that to me communicates they're exactly the kind of people I want to work with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause because to me what is money except a representation of the trade of something of value? Yeah. Like people think money is the end all be all. And we built, we built the perception or no, it's like we were already trading things and bartering. And then we came up with money as an intermediary, but it's like optimism, optimism in a way, being able to generate optimism in people around you is going to generate better outcomes with, with, with your money. It's just how it works. It's based on human emotion. Like yeah. the stock market goes up and down based on whether people a, a significant portion of people believe things are on the rise or believe things are on the low and it's like is there some like technical calculations that are a part of like expert analysis of that yes but in some sense there's emotion that's still a part of it yeah and it's like that's the same with most any exchange in in human existence and so that these guys could like feel that there was a story here and they were willing to act on it 
yeah. based on the the feel and take the gamble that it's like, you know, even if it doesn't pan out, this is worth it because I believe it could work out. Yeah. Um, just told me like, these are exactly the kind of people who do their job based on passion and aren't just going to show up and be like, it got too cold and you weren't paying enough. So I decided to bail out and I didn't get the shot. Um, <laughs> they're, they're the kind of people that are going to stay up there. Literally one of the guys, Hayden, um, Hayden Lynch, go ahead and shout him out right now. Um, literally hung out on the summit, uh, for hours at 18,491 feet in the freezing cold, just like hanging out, watching the sun come up, waiting for us to come over the mountain to get the perfect shots yeah. for this film. Like that's the level of dedication these guys put in. Like imagine being altitude sick and then just sitting there in the cold at 18,000 feet. It's like, nope, gonna get the shot. <laughs> it's just like, dude, full on and awesome and committed. Um, so yeah, again, if you're looking to hire someone, Kevin, Kevin Issa, he also hung out at about 16,000 feet on the glacier, uh, just like sitting there in the cold. Uh, these two guys went above and beyond to get all the shots necessary to not only tell this sort of, as you hear my voice now, like human element of the story, but yeah. to really capture how beautiful Pico de Orizaba is as a, an environment to be moving over and around yeah um so it's like that part is just spot on because of the professional and committed passionate job that these guys did dude. so yeah big shout out to them dude um, i can't wait to watch it and i like i was just thinking like i don't i don't even know if i want you to continue the story because i don't want to know what happens yet do you know what i mean Isn't yeah I, I almost feel like we're at a good spot to like just <laughs> that is a good spot leave it yeah. hanging yeah man so when uh when are you guys anticipating this being out it's you know it's going to be called journey to infinity like what are you guys thinking on that yep this one's going to be journey to infinity uh pico de orizaba because the hope is oh, that there'll be snap. six more chapters right <laughs> yeah. this is just chapter one um, and eventually we'll go to Ojos del Saledo, tallest in South America, Kilimanjaro, okay. tallest in Africa, and on and on. We have to wait for Elbrus because Russia's, you know, doing those mm. socio-political decisions uh -huh. that they're making. Uh -huh. Um, so it's like there's some of these that might be impossible, but I love the idea of like taking on and starting down this road of a potentially impossible project. And just like, how cool would it be even if I get shut down? Like Russia decides they're gonna keep being at war and they won't, and like I can't get in because of that. Yeah. Um, and so I get to leave this open-ended project. I get to plant the seed of an idea. And then maybe if I'm lucky, like, well, I'm still some kind of old man, Dude. Some, some, some young guy comes up to me and says, the war is over. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this thing you started. Um, no, yeah. I want you to do it as an old man <laughs> dibs dibs on. I'll also be an old man and I want to be part of the filmmaking crew on that one for sure. You know? I would, I would happily invite you. Yeah. Yeah. We could call that one uh <laughs> journey to old age. <laughs> journey to old age. We got this just slow. You got to save like, yeah, hopefully that one's not as, not as crazy hard, even though I'm sure they're all crazy hard at this point. Um, real quick before you go, please tell me about your project this summer which part of it will be out here in Colorado. And I'm super psyched for you to take that on. And obviously I want to have you back on and hear all sorts of stories from this uh, in oh, insane extreme adventure. <laughs> hopefully what we can do is it, the film's going to come out end of summer. 
So hopefully we'll be able to do a celebratory episode yes. of the send of my summer project in conjunction with dropping Done. the Pico de Orizaba Perfect. film with a link in the episode at that point. Um, but yeah, as far as this summer, yes, Rocky Mountains Grand Slam. It's a combination of the Montana 12ers, the Wyoming 13ers, and the Colorado 14ers for all of you people who live and love the american rockies this is like the big grand tour 120 peaks most significant peaks of the rockies at least by size i know there's some shorter ones that are really awesome um but by and large it is a grand tour where i'm going to go from having climbed three of them before to having a deep and intimate knowledge of this space that you love. I would love for you to be a part of it. I'm done with the part of my life where I want to be solo and I want to be out proving myself. Um, I, you know, mostly it was always to myself, like that I'm capable and I can do this. And I'm a man that belongs in the mountain. It's like, at this point, I reasonably believe that I'm a person that belongs to be in the mountains. And what I want to do is I want to share that with other people. I want to share yeah. passion. I want to share ideas. I want to share experience. So if you want to come join on some peaks, you want to help support, you understand how to get from this trailhead to this trailhead faster than anybody. Like you, you have a shower for me to use, um, <laughs> like whatever it is, feel free to hop onto Instagram and drop, drop a line in my DMS. I, I am doing this trip, uh, kind of solitary. And so like, it's totally going to be dependent on just the community and the culture around these mountains, these three yeah. mountain groups as to whether I'm unsupported, self-supported or, or, or supported. Like I might be out there by myself or I might be out there with a, a crew of people having a good time. And I would prefer it to be the latter. Yeah, man. Uh, I have a feeling you'll find that community pretty easily. So yeah, yeah, no. And this is one small step toward that. And please feel free to connect me, Chris, with anybody, or if anybody on here knows a person that's like, oh dude, like you should meet so-and-so they'd be perfect. <laughs> Um, they're a crusher, yeah, like then make that connection for me. Like I would be honored. I would be thrilled. Yeah, um, dude. I'm, I'm really, I'm psyched on this project. It might be my last big hurrah. You know, this might be, this might be the last time Jason Hardrath does a full summer long continuous push in the mountains. Like I definitely am going to keep doing like day long project, week long project, 10, 20 day projects. But I don't know. I think my life is kind of getting to a place where just cutting out a 60 day block and saying, I'm going to let every other connection in my life drop. Yeah. It's hard. The whole summer, it, it might be coming to a close. Like yeah. not that I can't keep doing it physically. I don't think and it's just like, there's a lot of sacrifices you make and I'm old enough now to sort of see what those are. Yeah. And at some point I kind of got to make some decisions for how the tail end of life is going to, going to play out. And I do see this as a valuable part of my life. Like I want to continue to be, a person who can teach and inspire in the mountains. Um, but man, adult life is complex. It's multifaceted. And this might, yeah, this might be the last big hurrah. So I would love to share that with people, especially if you're a person that's found any sort of inspiration or passion from, from anything you've seen me do um, up until now. So yeah, yeah. dude, Open when invitation. is this? Yeah. When are you starting? So school lets out June 16th for me. Um, I'm sorry and... for that, man. I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? That's better for this though. Honestly, it is. because it the is. mountains it open up. Yeah. The mountains, there's still a lot of snow up there, honestly. Yeah. I actually bought a couple extra pairs of snowshoes just in case it's <laughs> yeah. slushy, a slushy mess. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'll be heading that way. I'll probably kind of make my way over, over slowly because I think end of June is going to be the earliest I want to start. Yeah. Right. My right now, my Calabra. Am I saying that right? I always yeah. get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes, nailed it this time. Oh, well, actually, shit. Um, Hold on. Don't look at me as an expert. I just was a yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, you you guys heard it, Chris. The, the Chris one with the with permit. <laughs> yeah, the one um, with the permit, right? So so Calabra. Um, my permits for the 24th right now. So I kind of have to start in conjunction with oh, that. Perfect. Um, although I'm going to email, I'm going to email uh, them there at the ranch and see if they would be willing to be flexible. Uh, if I have to push back because the snow conditions are just terrible. Yeah. Um, which I've heard that they can be pretty friendly to work with since I've already like paid them my money and, and yeah. <laughs> established a permit. I'm not just asking for like free access on top of the yeah. already full permits. So I've heard they can be flexible to work with sometimes. Uh, for for record setting endeavors because they understand that that's different than um, yeah. just the the general I want to hike up it today. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's gonna be a big one. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be so cool. So you've only done three so far. I mean, not well, not I've, not so far, but like in your past. I've run up Pikes Peak on the trail. Okay. I biked up and down Mount Evans twice from whatever that town is down at the junction of the, yeah, yeah. the highway. Yeah. Um, that was a wild bike ride day. Idaho Springs. That yeah, yeah man, that's a that's long bike ride. Yeah, it turned into a hundred and fourteen mile bike ride twice <laughs> up that thing. It was a wild day. That's that's the kind of young man I was. Um, like that was just because I wanted to do it. Um, <laughs> and then I have been up. I climbed Grand Teton. I soloed Grand Teton and was one of the 50 people who were up there for that solar eclipse that what? rolled right over the top of it. Um, and Dude. got to, got to have just a transformative, just insane magical experience, um, up on top of Grand Teton. So that'll be a fun memory to go revisit when I get my, my moment back on top of that one in Wyoming. That's incredible. So, yeah. Man. But if, those are the only three out of the 120 peaks that wow. I've, I've climbed. That's so cool, dude. It's going to be so great. Where can people kind of like follow along your journey? So yeah, uh, my social media is just my first and last name at Jason Hardrath. Um, I'm sure you'll put a link down in the show notes. Yep. Again, that's the easiest place to reach out to me as well. If you're not on Instagram, you can uh, find my email on my website, jasonhardrath.com. Um, or you can also reach out on Facebook. I'm a little slower on there, but I will get back to you if anybody still uses that dinosaur. Um, not on TikTok. Sorry, I'm not cool and hip. Not on Snapchat. Sorry. Never, um, dude. Never. Don't <laughs> do it. I told some middle schoolers on the last day of school, I'm like, hey, the only thing that's TikToking in this classroom is the clock. Oh, and I'm boom. pretty sure they got that. <laughs> on TikTok, like while I was saying it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, probably like, there's like 2 million views on TikTok of me saying that it's just like grumpy science teacher. Yeah. You're, you're grumpy science teacher now. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you for coming on the podcast. I definitely obviously want to hear all about your summer adventures. Hopefully I can, you know, maybe join you up one of those mountains. That, oh, uh, I hope so. Here will be amazing. So, and then we just bring your whole recording, get up up there and do yeah. an actual on summit episode. I'll walk with my computer and this like bu <laughs> busted up microphone I have. So it'll be good. That would be dope. That would be, that would be so awesome. I, 
I don't know. I would, I would go for that. I would be willing to lose a few minutes of time to, to like pull off a, a moving in the mountains interview. But it's not even with like a tiny, like portable microphone, like on your phone. No, it's like no, the we're computer gonna do full, full yeah. old school style. We, we're both plugged into the computer with our microphones. So we have to be kind of by <laughs> each other. It'll be great, but awesome, man. Well, yeah, dude. Uh, um, I, everyone out there follow Jason. This is going to be a super inspirational journey and I'm psyched for the film. I am as well. Uh, I look forward to hearing from everybody in uh, in the comments or on any of my posts about it. Um, yeah, I, I hope to do right by the communities here. I'm gonna give it, give it, give it my best go. So hope Heck to see you out yeah, there. Dude. Heck yeah! All right, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Jason, for coming on. Thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, and your wonderful like philosophies. Uh, at the beginning, he described himself as the resident gym teacher of the mountain running community, which is incredible. And dude, if all of us could have a gym teacher like Jason Hardrath in our lives, that would be fantastic. Like I think about this because you know I'm a teacher, so I'm a bit biased towards the profession of education. <laughs> but. Uh, the impact teachers can have on kids lives both positive and negative is so huge and the fact that we have wonderful wonderful folks like jason in the career in the career of teaching in as someone who kids will look up to um you know like kids are going to look up to their teachers regardless of who their teachers are. So as a teacher, I feel like we do have this extra responsibility to be good citizens and to be uh, motivational and to really be enthusiastic about these kids' lives. And uh, it comes across so, so much that that is who Jason is. And the fact that your gym teacher could be like, hey man, what'd you do this summer? Oh yeah, I went in a, climbed and ran up 120 different peaks through the Rocky Mountains and through Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana um, is absolutely priceless, really. Like, honestly, I think for kids to be able to see that example of an adult chasing his goals, just it gives me kind of chills, honestly. Uh, I think it's incredibly important. Um, and we talked about his quest. The quest I, the journey to infinity, I'm going to say quest though, because I love, here's what happened this week. This week, my kids had summer camp up in Netherland, Colorado. And so I dropped them off in the morning and then I would just head out into the endless amounts of trails in and around Netherland. And I would go out and I would go for runs. I had my bike with me, so I'd go on bikes. And I started thinking about this idea of like, oh, I'm just like venturing through the woods here by myself and um eventually i ran across this trail and there was a sign and the trail was called hobbit and i was like man i'm a huge fan of lord of the rings i'm a huge fan of uh of those kind of stories i guess uh the movies are absolutely incredible we won't even get into that um and by the movies, I mean the Lord of the Rings trilogy, obviously. Not The Hobbit, which they decided to make a tiny like children's book into three movies. That was a weird decision. Um, but I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, this it feels like I'm on a quest now. Like I'm on The Hobbit trail. Like I'm on a quest right now through the woods. Um, 
And I started thinking about this like trope in fantasy movies or fantasy books or even like my favorite video game uh, of all time, Legend of Zelda. When I was a kid, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, greatest game of all time. I know there's like a new one out and I can't even, I feel like I can't even mess with that new one because it will like be all consuming. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, I was thinking back to when I was a kid playing those games and you'd be in this this world where there was mountains and deserts and like snowy places and things like that and you'd be going through it and you had like these objectives but you'd also be kind of just like randomly exploring and every once in a while you'd find like a new item or something and you'd put this item in your like tool chest and you could use the item the rest of the game and and because you got like the hammer it would be like dun, 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 and you get a hammer or something you're like oh sweet i have a hammer now what does this do and because you got this item you like were able to like expand the world around you and go visit like new parts of this map or whatever and this is a very weird random outro by the way so <laughs> stick with me i promise it's going somewhere so i was thinking about this and I was thinking about what we find through like an adventure through the wilderness or taking on an endurance event or really just like anything that we do in life, right? Like everything we do gives us these lessons. If we're aware enough to like really think about the lessons and think about what we were able to acquire, we can use those lessons in other areas of life to like expand our world, to expand how we're going about life, right? So I think about all the things I've learned through various uh, ultra running stuff, but I also think about things I've learned just from going out into the mountains by myself, you know, and you pick up these lessons along the way and now you have them with you for future mountain adventures but also more importantly for future like life challenges, right? Like if something happens when you're at your job, you're able to like think back and draw back on these things you discovered about yourself through your adventure and you're able to use those lessons, right? If you're aware enough to do it, you're able to draw back on that stuff. And I think that is so incredibly important and it just reminded me of Zelda and it made me smile and I, <laughs> I wanted to come on here and talk about how important I think it is to look at these things that we do, these challenges that we put ourselves through, whether extremely big, like the things Jason takes on or these small challenges that we do um, and think about what we gain from them. Like, what are these positive things we now get to add into our treasure chest or our you know, whatever, our, our tool chest that we get to use the rest of our lives. I think that's super important. And, uh, yeah, I think for me, like I'm, I'm thinking about like, why, why are, why do I want to just go out in the mountains for hours and hours by myself? And ultimately it's that it's nothing else. Like it's not for any like external reason. It's for all these internal tools um that i kind of get along the way so uh that's it that wraps up the episode thanks for to jason for coming on if you would like to help him out uh in his journey through the rocky mountains um follow him on instagram jason hardrath i'm sure you can send him messages there um i'm psyched for him i'm so excited i think it's going to be one of those things that i check in with 
uh, every day and I just get inspired, you know, um, I think that's going to be one of those huge, huge things. I'm so excited to watch Journey to Infinity part one uh that's gonna come out this fall so as soon as that happens we'll have jason back on the show and we will uh make sure to link it and all that stuff so um all right that wraps up this week's episode join us next week we have another amazing guest and uh really excited to share it with you